Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour Extra Episode 85, Rangers Review Dino Fury Season 2, Episodes 1 through 3, recorded on March 25th, 2022. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger Up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieB47. And I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Charles D., Chris P., Steve F., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Tyler B., Tyler W., Charlie N., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Jason O., Kevin R., Steve R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can check out all the links to our show at link tr.ee slash rangercommandph, as well as our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.com slash shop slash rangercommandph. Hello, Zach. Hey, Eric. Hey, everybody out there listening. We are back with a new extra episode. Dino Fury is back with Netflix debuting the first part of season two. And what we're going to do is over the next couple months every extra episode will be reviewing the next chunk of uh, dino fury so we're, we're gonna handle these in like three or four episode chunks and i think that'll kind of nicely pace out the discussion we can really focus on these episodes because there's a lot of great stuff happening in these episodes and uh, I think it'll be really nice to do a deep dive into these episodes, talk about them, and we'll see about getting maybe some guest co-hosts for these. But I'm really excited that Dino Fury Season 2 has premiered on Netflix. We got the first half of the season. I think I binged it during a couple days, probably a, a week or so after the episodes uh, premiered on March 3rd, just because... There's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, it, but it's nice to fit it in my own schedule. Uh, thankfully, everyone was using the Dino Fury spoilers hashtag, uh, which really helped avoid some of the major plot points. But you know, again, people were really excited about the season, and uh, a lot of uh, fan theories were flying behind non-spoiler tags, and I, that's just kind of the nature of Netflix and what we're going to have to deal with, uh, especially for the second half of the season, whenever whenever that debuts. Yeah, Lord knows not everybody can be like me and binge the entire 11 episode set in, uh, I want to say, maybe six hours. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that uh, day of release, I watched, I think, the first five or six episodes. And then right. uh, the next day, I finished up the the rest of them. And yeah, I, I was hooked. I mean, I just love this season so much. The writing is impeccable. The actors have great chemistry and charisma. Everything about this season so far has just been so wonderful. And the thing with Netflix is the the weight between the, the episode dumps is killing me. But at the same time, it's like if they had just released all of season two, I would have watched it all in one sitting and then that would have been it. And I would have been sad for much longer. So 
Uh, I'm okay with waiting a few more months for another couple, you know, for another drop of episodes. You know, it's funny how we and the fandom have talked about uh, hiatuses before. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny. We're basically going from one type of hiatus to the next. I think the only really good way that what Netflix has done is that they release it kind of internationally all at once. So the UK, Australia, I know Canada, they kind of got gypped on this uh, just because it still airs on TV. There's a different uh, viewership agreement in Canada, whatever that uh, channel is that they've got up there that airs Dino Fury. But for the most part, US, UK, Australia, uh, having access to these all at once really prevents kind of the international spoilers problem that we had before. And now people can watch it at their own pace, which I think is great. Yeah. But before we dive into all of that, uh, we do have uh, some news to catch up on. First, uh, I know this is releasing at the end of March. So all of these comic issues are out now for March. And we'll have links in our show notes to our comic reviews on these. And you can view the comic galleries and all that stuff. So Mighty Morphin issue 17, which debuted on March 9th. Mighty Morphin issue 17 features the new creative team with writer Matt Groom, who we all know from the Ranger Danger podcast. We interviewed him and Ryan Parrott and Kyle Higgins and also Michael Basudel in January for the big supermassive event that happened with the Radiant Black universe or, or the massive universe, as they're calling it. Um, so Matt Groom is now writing uh, Mighty Morphin. And he is joined by Moises Hildago, who did the Dark Ranger arc from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issues uh, 51 through 55. So I think it's a great creative team. They are really diving deep into Rocky. It's going to be a Rocky-focused story. Uh, I thought issue 17 was a great intro into what's going on with the after effects of the Altarian war. The Rangers have to find a new command center, which I think is a, a great concept that the Altarians just made these command centers plug and play during the war. And that there's other command centers scattered throughout the different galaxies. So really cool start to kick off a new storyline with a new writer. So that came out on March 9th. And then the following week was Power Rangers issue 17. And just to be clear, Ryan Parrott is still on board writing for Power Rangers. And he is working with Marco Renna, who went from Mighty Morphin, and now he's working on Power Rangers. So the whole Eltarian War unlimited power arc that was done by Marco Renna, he's continuing with Power Rangers. The art from him is gorgeous. Like I think him and Daniele are like on par for my top tier Power Rangers artists for the comics. I think they both have, I don't want to say like a similar style, but it's close enough, but they each have their strengths. So I, I really like Marco Renna is continuing and doing the Omega Rangers. So that came out on March 16th. 
And then the next release that came out was Power Rangers Universe Issue 4. We have a press release that they did on that, but it continues the uh, Squadron Rangers journey. And this does feature uh, the first morph into the Die Ranger slash Squadron suit. So it does have the debut of the Black Squadron Ranger, which is a new creation. And it was kind of like a last page reveal for this issue. So we didn't get a lot of detail on it's kind of hard to tell what the helmet, what animal is represented there. But overall, I think this is an okay series. I mean, we'll, we'll go into this more when we uh, review the comics at some point, but yeah, Power Rangers universe four that came out this past week on March 23rd also released on March 23rd is the first issue of the limited series for Godzilla versus Power Rangers. And this is not from Boom Studios. It's just in conjunction with Boom Studios for IDW Publishing. They're the ones that are handling the release of this. So we didn't get any like press copy. I bought it. I haven't read it yet, but that also came out. I did flip through it. I haven't read the full issue. I'm kind of iffy on the art because all of the Rangers look like Bandai overroided body types and I'm, <laughs> I'm just not used to that in in the comics or at least yeah. the current iteration of comics so that is the comic releases for march and we actually got a pretty advanced look at mighty morphin 18 which comes out on april 13th and we got that preview a little under a, a month in advance with the preview, we get to see a great conversation between Zordon and Matt, uh, as well as Grace. And there's this amazing shot of uh, the command center and kind of the temporary base that Promethea has set up to protect the Zords and the power chamber. So uh, definitely looking like a great issue. I can't wait to see where they take the series going forward. It just looks really cool. Yeah. This preview art looks rad. And then one more thing about the comics. We also got the power Rangers solicitations for June, uh, which includes mighty Morphin 20 on sale, June 8th, uh, power Rangers 20 on sale, June 15th, as well as power Rangers unlimited continuing that title we had air to darkness which was done by ll mckinney and edge of darkness and now this is the next entry into the power rangers unlimited title line with a new one shot called countdown to ruin and the writer is tba so we don't know exactly who's writing this previews and bleeding cool said that it was L.L. McKinney returning. And a couple months ago, she did tweet out like a cryptic Andros morphing gif, which I would assume is, hey, she's going to be the writer. But when we got the official Boom solicits straight from Boom, uh, they listed it as TBA. So to be announced, don't know if the writer is going to be L.O. McKinney or not, but the artist is Anna Kakovsky uh, Chandra. And we also got a fantastic look at her artwork with the character sheets for Andros and Zane. And it's this very cool, like almost manga style, like really refined 
manga slash anime aesthetic to it. I think in the close-up shot of Zane, there's even like the little golden stars around his head because he's kind of like smirking at the viewer, kind of <laughs> that pretty boy anime yeah. uh, aesthetic. So uh, I'm really excited for the artwork on this. Uh, the synopsis is in the next crucial Power Rangers Unlimited special, Calamity looms for fan favorites Andros and Zane from the hit series Power Rangers in Space. Discover their past growing up on KO35, their journey to becoming Rangers, and the epic battle that changed their lives forever. The future of the Power Rangers saga starts here in this exciting one-shot adventure. And why I'm so excited about this one-shot is the previews that we got for like Mighty Morphin 18 and and 19, we had that hooded figure, which I was speculating like, oh my God, wouldn't that be cool if it was, you know, Doggy Kruger? But no, it's, of course, it's Andros and and his cloak. (laughs) So I have a feeling that much like Air to Darkness and Edge to Darkness last year and how it tied in with Unlimited Power, I feel like this one shot is tying directly into the Power Rangers line uh, with what Ryan Parrott is writing. So I'm very excited that this series is continuing and it's not just going to be two issue thing and that's it. Like they're keeping that title branding uh, to tell these one shot stories. And I think that's pretty cool. So instead of the annuals, we get these Power Rangers unlimited where you could literally go to any point in the universe but it also can tie back to what's happening in the two mainline books. Power Rangers universe still has a couple months. And then I think Power Rangers versus Godzilla is like a five or six issue series. So every month I'm buying like four or five Power Ranger books Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some of their covers. So they're keeping the train going. Like, I think this is right after Power Rangers universe ends. Like this one just picks up that slot. So I don't know if they're going to be doing another mini series later this year. I know that they're hyping up this countdown to 100, which is like the legacy numbering, which is crazy for Power Rangers. So the legacy covers from Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers have these legacy covers that continue the numbering of when the original split happened. So after Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 55, every alternating issue between Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers just kept the number sequentially going. And so now on the new cover previews that we're seeing, Boom Studios has this countdown to 100 for the 100th release of the mainline comics. And What's interesting to note about that is that will actually be Mighty Morphin issue 23, which is in September. So this countdown is leading to this 100th issue and 23 kind of seems like an odd number, but it will be the 100th legacy. So we don't know what they're going to do in October. Are they going to merge the books back to the legacy numbering? Are they going to continue the split between the two books, but it kind of seems like maybe issue 100 will kick off some, if they're making that big of a deal about it, maybe we're going to get a new mainline writer. I don't know if Matt groom is going to be taking over forever. I think at some point Ryan Parrott might want to leave power Rangers just because (laughs) he's been doing it so long and he's got like rogue son and, and some other projects. 
Um, but when I noticed the new countdown to 100 branding that they've been releasing, we haven't got a lot like an official word on that or, or what that entails. Mm-hmm. But I think whatever comes in September, October, I think it's going to be kind of surprising. I'm excited. Very cool stuff. I, I dug the, um, what'd you call them? The legacy cover. Um, yeah. The alternate art with, uh, with skull with skull kissing candace and yeah the big heart yeah and like yeah like that's good art right there i like that i was like that's neat yeah i think all the artwork for these issues are are killer i think all of the cover artists they're really killing it so it's a great time to be a comics fan if you're in the power rangers i know i am my wallet's never happy but <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to support these releases for sure yeah that's it for all the comics solicitations we're going to move on to another product announcement so speaking of wallets screaming in pain yeah good lord Uh, (laughs) because reebok has launched their second power rangers collection featuring villains this time around and we're recording this on the day that it's released so uh, you're listening to this the day after we record this uh, so they are on sale now, like go and yeah, you can go to re- say that, that explains why they're still in stock on the website. Yeah. You can go to Reebok.com slash us slash power underscore Rangers. And you won't see the old styles like with the Megazord, all of that, but these are the villains. So we have a Rita Repulsa shoe, a Lord Zed shoe, a Rita Revolto shoe, and it wasn't in our press release, but it's on the site, a putty shoe. Yeah, I, I'm on the site now looking at these shoes. And like, I like the design of the putty shoe. I think the putty shoe is really neat. I think the Rito shoe could be a little bit more. Like, I see what they were going for with the, the halftone white and halftone camo. I think it could have been maybe a little bit more. I like that shoe because it's more subtle. Ah, Okay. I, I like it because it doesn't scream like, hey, I'm wearing a Power Ranger shoe. Yeah, not like the Re- like the Rita shoe screams, oh my I'm God. wearing a Power Ranger shoe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like the Lord Zed shoe, I think would look better without the tubing. But I get that the tubing is part of the whole design aspect of it to look like mm-hmm. Lord Zed. But like of all of these, if I was to get one, I would probably go for the putty shoe. I think that one's my favorite. Really? Yeah. It's also the the least expensive. So I'm going to run through these real quick. Sure. Uh, the Insta pump fury reader repulsa that retails for $200. It's got the iconic pump ball, which represents Rita's staff, which I think is hilarious to yeah, me. That's funny. To make the pump her staff is great. It's fantastic. Make my arches grow. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, all of the details are there from all of the detailing for her headband, for her dress. Mm -hmm. The little blue fringe, like all of it looks so like on point. Yeah, and it's got like some of the script language, like for her spells and stuff, all over mm-hmm. the shoe. It's probably the gaudiest one out of the bunch, but oh yeah, I I really appreciate the design aesthetic and and what they were able to pull from her costume. There's the Hurricanes Two Low Rito Revolto. 
That is 140 bucks. It's got his classic bone and camo application, which resembles his outfit. There's other warnings on the shoe that are like penciled in that the shoe is for villains only. And that's on the inside the sneaker tongue. And it also includes an evil space alien call out like the old school logo from the toys. So many neat details on this shoe. But like I said, I think this is the more subtle uh, shoe, which doesn't immediately scream Power Rangers. But what does scream Power Rangers (laughs) is the answer for Lord Zed that retails for 170 bucks, fully red and silver. Uh, Like you said, there's the blue tube on the lateral side, uh, which mimics Lord Zed's tubes. And it's a crazy styling. I think I would totally rock these if I wasn't afraid of damaging the tube. (laughs) Right? Like you get that caught on anything and that's it. That gets ripped right out. Yeah. But I love the materials here because they've got this really nice like texture leather Mm -hmm. that kind of ripples like his muscles. I think it's a fantastically designed shoe. I love the hidden detail of in the heel is the image of Lord Zed's head with the, the visor and the exposed brain. Like that's a neat hidden detail in this sneaker. Yeah. And all of these have really awesome attention to detail, even on the inside of the shoe itself on the tongue, like you said, in the heel, and speaking of the heel, it's engraved and it says only the strong survive. And it's yeah. like engraved in this scribble. It's so cool. And then, of course, uh, like you said, Zach, the uh, Power Rangers Zig Dynamica shoes, uh, which are for the putty patrollers. And I love the details on this, too. Uh, you've got that subtle gray texturing. I love the soles on these with uh, the brown as well. Just a very nicely designed. You got the rock texture for their hands on it too. It's, I, I think this is a great shoe as well. Yeah. I love that you get their, their little like um, star belt symbol on one of the tongues. Yes. And you get like an explosion looking effect on the other one. Yeah. Definitely like the kapow and bam. <laughs> yeah. I love it. There are the Megazord shoes that are still available, and those are for the kids' classics. So there's one for a toddler, which I'm definitely considering for my future son, uh, which I think would be amazing to get him like little Megazord shoes. Be so adorable. Yeah. And they also have uh, the preschool and grade school Power Rangers classic leather shoes, which is mainly just overall a a white shoe with some, uh, you know, subtle Power Ranger effects on it. Definitely not as designed as some of these. And if you're of a thinner uh, body type, I can't get these, but they also included a Power Rangers t-shirt a Green Ranger long sleeve t-shirt for those Tommy fans and a Power Rangers hoodie, which the back design almost makes you think of mystic force, but it, cause it looks like a spell circle, <laughs> but it's, it's like all the dino coins. I was going to say, yeah, I was looking at that and I was like, did they really make a mystic force t-shirt? But I realized, Oh no, it's just the dino coins. But for some reason they're in a, like, yeah, that magical like design. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's misleading. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of, yeah. Bummer. Another product announcement, and I think this is super cool. There's some rumblings that we might get a new helmet uh, soon for Lord Dragon. And 
We totally are. So Power Rangers Lightning Collection, Mighty Morphin, Lord Draken Helmet, which is approximate retail price of $132.99. That price, I think, is because of the voice changer that they included. The voice yeah. changer makes sense for Lord Zed. I don't know why they in include it for Draken. If it doesn't include Tommy's infamous laugh, that's a wasted opportunity. <laughs> yeah, that should absolutely be in there. But these are GameStop exclusives, and they have limited availability on Pulse. Well, you're not going to be able to get the Lord Zed helmet on Pulse. It is sold out on Pulse. We'll have links to it for GameStop in the show notes. Check out all of our press release images from there. But yeah, the Lord Draken helmet is the first version of Lord Draken, and it's not any of his evolution forms. I think they absolutely killed the design. Uh, I know it's really hard to translate comics to like a real world product. But I think they did a fantastic job with it. Oh, this. yeah. This looks so incredibly sleek and just the texturing, the the paint application. This is a beautiful piece. And honestly, if I was a helmet collector, this would absolutely be on my list because this is beautiful. Yeah, I definitely love this helmet. I love the style. Uh, I think it's one of the more successful fusions of the green and, and white ranger. Uh, it's the official version. So I definitely pre-ordered this. Uh, I think it's going to be a great addition to the helmet lineup because it's easier to get one of these than going to, you know, someone that's going to take your money and not produce a helmet for you. Uh, <clears throat> anarchy. So the other exciting announcement in this GameStop exclusive, and that we're kind of getting a comic book double whammy, the Mighty Morphin Yellow and Red Ranger Swap 2-pack. So this is from the GoGo Power Rangers three or four issue thread of when they did the color swap. And you had... Billy as the Black Ranger, Kimberly as the Blue Ranger, Zach as the Pink Ranger, and then Trini and Jason, uh, Trini being the Red Ranger and Jason being Yellow. I absolutely love this two-pack. Even the package design for both uh, Lord Zed and the swap is different. It's not the Tom Whalen artwork. Mm-hmm. And it's got this new styling on the design. Boom Studios logo is is clearly seen. There's some other graphical elements that distinguish it different from, I guess, a mainline release. And that's what I'm going for. There's some rumor, like people were saying, oh, why don't we get Tom Whalen artwork on these? Oh, no, he's leaving or whatever. He's not leaving. He's definitely not leaving. I think this was exclusively for Boom Comics type of uh, releases. And plus we've already had Tom Whalen artwork for Draken. We've already had his artwork for the red and yellow MMPR. So why recycle that artwork and kind of, you know, confuse with their standalone releases, which we've already got those images. Yep. So this is a new style and I absolutely love this two pack. I love the storyline. They even gave for the helmetless Rangers. Trini has her short hair from that arc, which I think is great. And Jason, uh, I think it's a younger looking sculpt. It's kind of a mix between the comic and the actor, which I actually really like. I think this matches up perfectly with, like, I was surprised because when I saw Trini's like shorter hair, it, it's great because 
you still get a, a little of Twee Trang in the likeness, but you also get that comic styling. Yeah. Another great thing is, I mean, hello, it's a female Red Ranger Mighty Morphin type. So you could even pose this as Grace if you wanted to. I was just going to say, like, what do you think odds are they do a reprint of this female Red, but with a Grace civilian head? They could do that, but I think they would retool it slightly because the 1969 Rangers have some subtle changes in the mighty Morphin outfit. Like they kind of have a flare on the boots, almost like, mm. you know, uh, bell bottoms in a way, or, mm. or there's like an, some extra flare on their boot that makes it feel more, I guess, late sixties or whatever, but they could absolutely pump this out. But also a yellow male Ranger body will satisfy Sentai fans because boy in mighty Morphin was, was a boy. He was yeah. uh, appropriately named. So yeah. I think this is a, a great entry into the collection. I know people are screaming, Oh my God, more mighty Morphin. But think about this. If they do another two pack or another three pack to do the rest of the color swap Rangers, you'll have a male pink body. Mm-hmm. You could have new sculpts for Kimberly, Billy and Zach, which is awesome. Yeah. And we'll have like a female blue ranger body, which is cool. And I know black ranger is still a male body, but I know a lot of people noted that these are actually pinless. So it's the first time that the, the guys have pinless joints as well. And I mean, to the people who are complaining about MMPR, it's like, yes, we know we're, we're all kind of MMPR out, but the audience is still out there who is not MMPR'd out and they are voting with their wallets and they're buying yeah. these products. And as long as they keep buying these products, then Hasbro is going to continue making these products because it is profitable for them. I know people are MMPR'd out, but I love the comics and this storyline in go, go power Rangers is fantastic. I love the press shot where they essentially recreated the cover pose Mm-hmm. from that issue which is amazing great product photography great attention to detail but i'm excited because with this new box style i feel like hasbro is doubling down on boom studios and you know this opens up the omega ranger figures in this type of packaging oh that'd be so cool you know other comics releases I would love it if they did the other evolution forms for Draken, like the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive a couple years ago was his evolution three, but I also like his evolution one and two forms. Like there's a mix of like Zeo and Samurai and, and other seasons in those costumes, which would be sweet. Mm-hmm. And then there's other characters in the comics. Like I know that they've slowly been doing the centuries, but I mean, it's almost a year since it's literally almost a year since I pre-ordered uh, the T-Rex century. And I still don't have that after yeah, like a year of pre-order, yeah. but, you know, they could do, they could do some of the more niche comics characters from this. They could do Dane. They could do Zordon in his Eltarian armor. Oh my God. Yeah. They, you could even do a two pack of like Eltarian warriors, oh, like yeah. the, the foot soldiers and then recreate other moments from the comics. So I don't think that Tom Whalen is going away. I think he's, I think he's in it for the long haul. 
I could be proven wrong, but you know, the next time they do another announcement for, you know, whatever wave is next in lightning collection, you know, we'll get our answer. But I strongly believe that this new packaging for this helmet and this two pack is the style of packaging for the boom releases going forward, because they clearly have the boom studios logo prominent in the corner. There's like a new lightning bolt design in the corner. So I think that's fine. Yeah. And again, it's yeah, MMPR, but also, like you said, it's it's the world of the comics opening up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to be fair, we haven't really had comics figures other than Draken. Like, so well, we had we, Ranger Slayer. Oh, right. Ranger Slayer. I forgot. I have Ranger Slayer and I forgot. Yeah. We have Ranger Slayer. We had the Draken. We have the Red Sentry. But, you know, I want to see, I want to see the pink sentries. I want to see the yellow sentries. I want to see in Shattered Grid the white rhino ranger centuries that they had mm-hmm. like there's so many things that you could pull from the comics the omega yeah. rangers you could do a two-pack of omega blue with uh kia and yale big cat bulking cat blue ranger that'd be an interesting body there's so many things that they could do under the boom studios line and so many different characters which i think would be fantastic and you know i would love to see them do even in the main line, like finish out the MMPR villains like Squad and Babu. I think a Squad and Babu two pack would be incredible. You'll have all the moon monsters there. That would be amazing if they yeah. finish that out too. One more final product announcement. This week, they did announce wave two of the retro Zord. So these are those figures in kind of like the the action figure size like six and a half scale but for the zords and they came in that vhs style packaging well this is totally an mmpr line which i know a lot of people threw up their hands but i'm not defending that but i can see how they're still testing the waters with this line because there's the black and gold megazord which is just a repaint of what they released i did not pre-order that they have the white tiger zord in battle mode, which is great. Love that. They have the dragon Zord in warrior mode. So you kind of get a new sculpt with the top half, and then they kind of reuse the Triceratops and Sabretooth tiger legs, which is fine. And then you have the mega tiger Zord with that one. You kind of reuse the legs. I can see how this might be like a cost saving line, which is fine because, you know, they are kind of, mixing and matching certain parts. But, you know, after this wave, they're pretty much done with MMPR. You know, what else can they do aside from the Alien Rangers, Ninja Rangers and stuff? So I get it. Other people want to see other Zords. I love that they included Lost Galaxy in Wave 1, NinjaCon, which was definitely unique. It's kind of like we have to take this to support this so we can get like a wave three or a wave four. Personally, I would love if they did every Megazord in this scale and have a unified action figure type scale that kind of scales with the the monster figures. I think that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. All of these products are are very interesting. I'm totally in for the retro Zords, except for the black and gold Megazord. That was never in the show. I don't know why they keep making that a thing. (laughs) Right? We'll have links to where you can get those. But that was pretty much another Walmart, because I think Walmart's having their collector con. So that was a collector con exclusive 
announcement or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. So that about does it for the news. We are going to move on to reviewing the first three episodes of Power Rangers Dino Fury season two. I did a rewatch right before we recorded this episode, kind of a sped up Netflix uh, rewatch while I did the show notes. And I really liked the entry into this new season. I thought these were some strong episodes and we'll talk all about it. So the first episode of the second season is called Numero Uno. And this is the 23rd episode overall. It marks the return of Void Knight since his defeat in the last season's finale. All of these episodes, episodes 1 through 11, premiered on March 3rd, 2022, exclusively on Netflix. This episode's story is by Becca Barnes, Alwyn Dale, and Maya Thompson, with teleplay by Guy Langford and directed by Charlie Haskell. So, Void Knight suddenly returns, and a new member of his vicious crew joins Slyther and Mucus in tricking the Rangers and stealing a valuable dino key. Meanwhile, Amelia is busy running Buzz Blast while Jane is away. So how did you feel about this episode? <laughs> so, yeah, I loaded this episode up and I knew I was going to love it when the first line of the episode had me in stitches. And it's just background chatter from like yep. a citizen of, of the city saying something to the effect of like, yeah, I'd like to run more, but I never have the time. Followed immediately by a monster attack and she's running for her life. <laughs> like... That kind of comedy is mwah, chef's kiss. I loved it so much. There have been quite a few instances in the first season where, you know, I ha I usually watch these with subtitles. I'm a subtitles guy. Like I do this for any show. It's not because I'm hearing impaired or anything, but I'm just kind of used to reading subtitles and I like to catch things, yeah. especially like, and kind of a Easter egg spoiler for, for halo, but I would have missed it because in the background and the subtitles call it in the background noise of the UNSC base, they said, commander Shepard uh, report to the, the <laughs> Skillian uh, advance. And I'm like, Oh my God, they put in a mass effect Easter egg. That's hilarious. Halo. As soon as I heard commander Shepard, I was like, wait, what? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, which was just hilarious. So yeah, I love the intro for this season because we get that beautiful original fight footage yes! and it's in the opening. Uh, it's in the, theme song opening with this whole sequence with Zato running on the rooftops. And then you've got the gold and green Ranger, like flipping out of the windows of this building to like fight this monster. It is so, so cool. It is so amazing. And yeah, immediately when I noticed that, I said, well, that's original fight footage. That's like high quality. Like, man, they're putting that Netflix money to good use because this is amazing. This is, you know, this isn't something we'd normally see. And um, yeah, I thought this episode uh, started out really strong and hooked me almost right away. Simon mentioned the second unit action team doing such a great job this season for more original fights. And if you haven't, definitely check out our interview from earlier this month with Simon Bennett. He talked a little bit about these episodes and 
it was so great to have him on, but you could tell immediately from this episode, it just felt different mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah, it really did. Which is crazy because it's like nothing's changed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like in terms of like the people behind the scenes and, you know, the cinematography and everything, like nothing's changed behind the scenes except, you know, this is a Netflix exclusive season. And, you know, obviously with the second season and, and what Simon told us, you know, they were able to expand certain storylines and, I don't know. It just felt like a different feeling. Like just seeing the, the Netflix original logo (laughs) on, on this show, uh, or, and the new intro, it just, everything felt fresh. And this opening scene, I think really sets the tone. It's like, this is new. This is brand new. And to Mm -hmm. start off the, the season with this great action set piece and you have Javi with his dino key and, it's it's just such a nice setup for them to just destroy a monster and be done with it. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, it almost feels like when they got the news, like, hey, we're extending, you know, to a second season. It almost is like, okay, guys, let's save some of the budget and let's make season two start off with a bang then. Because because that's exactly how it felt. I mean, that, that original rooftop running action scene with Zato just felt so fresh and unique for a Power Rangers series. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was watching something more akin to like a Marvel series, you know, something a little more. Uh, I wouldn't I, say more I wouldn't adult. Go, I wouldn't go that far. But. I, it felt. It just felt a little more high action than the typical Power Rangers. Oh, stuff for sure. We get. So that, sure. that's what I mean by comparing it to a Marvel series. Definitely the choreography and what the stunt team has been able to do throughout Power Rangers. It just amazes me that you know, after almost thirty years, they're still able to come up with you know, unique fight sequences that really push the limits of, of action and wire and stunt work. Mm-hmm. So we get a little Easter egg here with Ali finishing a video call with his mom because she went to Japan to do research, which is kind of a nice callback, but she went to the Ishinomori Institute, which the great thing is that the Ishinomori Institute is a direct reference to Shotaro Ishinomori involved in Kamen Rider, involved in Super Sentai, just such a great homage to his legacy and definitely something that, you know, if you're not a Sentai fan, you might not catch it. Um, But I think that was a, a great nod to Sentai for that. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing that in the episode and going like, wait, did they just say Ishinomori? They did say Ishinomori. Holy crap. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really great. And then Zato and Ion are looking at a star map to see if they can find Rafcon. So we're continuing the Rafcon storyline, which I think is a major plot point. And what I love about this is they know that their system has three suns. So it's a trinary star system, but a lot can change in 65 million years, you know, stars drift. And I like that they acknowledge that. And Mm -hmm. it's something for kids like, yeah, 65 million years. That's something where, you know, stars change positions. Everything is moving in the galaxy and things change. So I like that there's acknowledgement of that. Like, Rafcon isn't going to be in the same place where they left it. And I, th- I think that's a great attention to detail. 
Yeah, that's a really fun overarching mystery for the series is what's become of Rafcon and are, mm-hmm. are Zato and Ion going to be able to find their home or are they going to have to, you know, kind of accept the fact that Earth is their home now? Like, mm-hmm. I'm so invested in that storyline. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. And then we get the villain plot. So Slither and Mucus still want to get into Voinite's room uh, because they think he's still dead. And then I love this because like an image of his helmet appears on the screens and he's like talking to them (laughs) and, (laughs) and trying to hide that he's a human or, you know, human looking or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing where this whole season even kicks off because this episode gets void Knight right back into the fight. And I like that they didn't waste a beat with that. And this was a plan that was actually successful for the villains. Like the villains had a win because the Dino Fury Rangers had Void Knight's saber and they were able, the villains were able to get it back. And I absolutely loved the main uh, monster for this episode, Bitscream. Excellently done voice acting. I love the puns about like cat videos when they were fighting in in the that digital world. So many like, oh, do you, you call tech support or whatever? <laughs> and it was just a great plan by the villains because, of course, we have Slither dressing up as another guy whose carts get busted in the fight, and he's like, oh no. Javi uses the fix it key. And then you have Bitscream just kind of digitally teleport from out of nowhere, yoink the key and just take off. So they are missing a key. And this is the second key that they don't have because in the first episode, Void Knight took the Hengeman key and has, has used those against the Rangers. So I love the parallels between this season premiere and the first season premiere, because you have Amelia focus episode Mm -hmm. with an intro for her in, in buzz blast. You have the villains gaining the, the upper hand and you have another key stolen. So Void Knight is able to use the fix it key to repair his armor. And I love that attention to detail. Yeah. It is nice to see the villains win every once in a while because it's, it establishes that they're not a goofy. They're they're actually a a force to be reckoned with at times. Mm -hmm. And for them to have that win, to get that key, to get void Knight's saber back and for void Knight to be able to, you know, fix his armor. It proves that these villains are competent. They're not just a bunch of bumbling buffoons. Like, We've had villains in previous seasons be one of the things I'm kind of annoyed with though, but like, I get it. Cause it's still a, a kid show is mm-hmm. the Rangers keep getting tricked by Slither's disguises. And yeah, he, the, this cart guy's wearing the same colors. He's uh, obviously a different actor because every actor is, is different for Slither's disguises. But, you know, even Izzy's like, oh, of course, it's Slither. And it's like, you guys got to be a little bit more careful about who you interact with. I would love to see one time is they encounter somebody wearing that orange and purple and blue, like, color And they accuse scheme. just some random civilian. Exactly. And they're like, no, we're on your trick, Slither. And this dude's just like, who's, what's a Slither? Who's that? What's uh, that? <laughs> oh, man, that'd be a funny, that'd be a funny bit. There is kind of a, a funny bit like that later on in, in this season. 
which is a bit ridiculous, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll, we'll cover that when, when we get to it. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, this is an Amelia focus episode because she's in control of buzz blast while, uh, Jane and Jay Borg are, uh, doing their balloon trip around the world. And I'm like, you know, what is this 80 days around the world? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so weird, but I think it really shows and it's, you know, it's, it's realistic for, you know, when you're an adult and you have responsibilities and you can get overwhelmed and you can get distracted by work and you can get distracted by social media and, and you can be busy. And I, I think that's why I like this episode in terms of the villains taking advantage of the Rangers weaknesses when they're down and when they're distracted, uh, Mm -hmm. because when Amelia is distracted, she's the one that basically loses, uh, the void Knight saber. Um, so there's some great lessons here. I just love the fight with bit scream, uh, when Zato goes basically into the matrix and, (laughs) (laughs) and deals with uh, bit scream. And even when they destroy bit scream and they, teleport out of there or he teleports out of there with the megazord and then just the the computer blows up the the laptop blows (laughs) up because the monster is defeated it 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 was really cool any other thoughts on on this episode i just think it was a strong episode a good way to hook into season two we had a great conflict we had a great sort of reintroduction to the villains with this one and their whole shenanigans and yeah i mean i related a lot with amelia in this episode the idea of just being so stressed out about other things that stuff falls by the wayside and you forget about certain things you get distracted by certain things and it prevents you from being able to give your full attention to something so i think that's something that anyone can you know relate to i just like how quickly this episode establishes void knight what happened to him and his return like how he's able to get the armor back and you know like we said it's a successful mission by the villains and it gets void knight powered up you know his armor is now completely brand new and fixed and it's great we get to see more of the character behind void knight and and who he is and trying to awaken centora from from her slumber so really strong entry into a premiere so with the rest of this episode some little tidbits so as of this episode, Void Knight has 11 Sporex and the Dino Fury Rangers have 12. So they're still a little bit even keel on that. We said it before, but the Ishinomori Institute Easter egg being a direct reference to Shotaro Ishinomori. Great tribute there. Yeah. So Zach, what's the next episode? Sure thing. So episode two, the festival is the second episode of Power Rangers Dino Fury season two and the 24th episode overall. Uh, it features the return of Wreckmate, revealing that he survived his apparent destruction in his initial debut in season one. And it marks the debut of the Dino Fury cycle and so far the only appearance of the Dino Chucks. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, freaking dino chuck. The dino chuck. I, I hope they return. They're cool. I don't care. Uh, the story is by Alan Dale and Becca Barnes with teleplay by Johnny Hartman. Uh, this episode was directed by Robin Grace, who was a first assistant director during Jungle Fury, Samurai, Super Samurai, Dino Supercharge, and Ninja Steel. This episode marks her debut as a full director. 
The Rangers must divide their fighting duties when Slyther and Wreckmate challenge each other to see who can be more destructive. The Rangers then realize they need a new weapon. I think out of the three, this one was my favorite. Yeah, I can see that. What I loved about this episode so much was because what Simon Bennett has said in the past, like this episode or this season will not have like a typical Halloween or it won't have a Christmas episode. So much like Beast Morphers season two, it's kind of a backdoor clip show in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, which kind of fulfills their, you know, need to do like either a clip show or or reference the past. And we get to see the return of the legendary Ranger database, which we'll talk about in a bit, but also the focus on Zato and Ion more about Rathconian traditions. That's what the festival is named after. And I also really like Wreckmate. Like I thought his initial <laughs> debut was hilarious, but the fact that they kept the continuity that he survived and when he first entered the base, they're like, "Oh, it's it's a new Sporex beast because he's covered in seaweed." And he yeah. takes off and he's like basically like, "I'm back." <laughs> <laughs> we love a good pirate themed villain. Plus Big dumb bikes. Big dumb bikes. Big dumb bikes. I'm so excited. Big dumb bikes. <laughs> I like. Oh, I love the big dumb bikes so much. I think so far of all of the bikes, the big dumb bikes of Power Rangers, I think this one is the one I want the most. Like it looks so cool. Yeah. Plus, this is also like a strong villain episode because I think the rivalry between Slither and Wreckmate is hilarious. I will say that's kind of a running theme so far this season is really strong villain stories. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful. I love that we get strong villain stories. I mean, a good villain story can make a whole season just so worthwhile. Mm -hmm. With what we're getting in this episode, of course, between Slyther and Wreckmate, this idea of like each of them wants to prove that they're more valuable to the team than the other and going out and causing this destruction and trying to get the Rangers. Like, yeah, this is great. This is good stuff. Yeah. And with Rutmate using a potion that Slither creates and, and he steals, it just amped the stakes for the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. But at Dino Henge, and the reason it's called the festival is because it's Rafcon triple sun festival, which is kind of a day of gift giving for every Rafconian. So, uh, it's essentially a birthday celebration for Mm -hmm. everyone. So it's almost like a mix of Christmas and birthday. And I think it's a really unique tradition and also probably (laughs) like get everything, get all the gift giving done out of the way in one part of the year, I think yeah. is, is kind of uh is, is kind of a cool concept, but it's nice because Javi's the one that said, Hey, well, my birthday was like so-and-so days ago or whatever. And, you know, I got to thinking, when is your guys's birthday? And then, you know, with the help of Solon, they find out about this. So I think it was really touching that all of the Rangers came together to celebrate Zato and Ion And this is also a really strong episode, I think, for the both of them. Ion gets this brand new motorcycle and Zato gets the dino chucks. (laughs) Ion is kind of left inside the base and he damages some of the equipment that 
has some big ramifications for later on in the episode. And they introduce the Flargan cakes because all of them go to check on the Flargan cakes and Ion uses these dino chucks, their increased power over time. It's too much for him to handle unmorphed and it damages the storage closet and it damages the, the dino chucks as well. So I like the consequences in this episode because when Zato has to use the dino chucks completely goes haywire and he isn't able to contain their power and they're kind of defeated in that instance. Yeah. And it's a good lesson about being careful with other people's belongings. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that kids need that lesson. Um, Lord knows my four-year-old niece loves to get into everything. And whenever she comes over to my house, she sees my collection of toys and my, you know, Uncle Zach, can I play with this? Can I play with that? Can I play with this? And I have to be like, yes, but yeah, be careful, please, because this is mm-hmm. this is expensive, imported from Japan, and if you break it, I'm going to be very upset because it's going to be impossible to replace. So yeah, kids having that message of like, hey, don't don't mess with other people's stuff unless you have permission, and you know, be careful. Like that's an important lesson to learn. Yeah, and so when the Rangers were split up, they're pretty much attacked from all sides. And a lot of the Rangers are injured. So essentially Zato is confused about why the dino trucks malfunctioned and Solon thinks it's a broken component or something. They find that there's the scorch marks on the storage closet and most of the spare parts in there are completely destroyed. And that's when Ion confesses that he was messing with the dino trucks and Ion basically didn't listen to Solon. They now don't have a weapon to defeat Wreckmate. So that's when we get this legendary database sequence where uh, Zeta wants to use the legendary database to maybe construct a, a legendary weapon from their spare parts. I thought this was a great way to reintroduce the Ranger database But also, I was very pleasantly surprised that aside from the dubbing or the redubbing of Tommy, all of the original voices are there. Yay! Yeah! (laughs) So, obviously, they either had time to find the appropriate clips, maybe find ones without music, or they were able to use some of their new music to kind of overlay whatever might have been drowning out the voices. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what was up with the fake JDF voice, but, (laughs) but no, I was glad to hear like Billy was Billy and Rocky was Rocky and Tori was Tori and all of that. So a great set of clips from essentially all eras of power Rangers and Mm -hmm. just having them mention different things. Well, they did mention the K9 cannon, which I'm like, oh, technically <laughs> SPD is still three years in the future for you guys. But there is an SPD Easter egg later in the season, uh, yeah. which we'll touch upon. So I think it's kind of like maybe what Jason Bischoff said to us when we talked to him that that one episode where, you know, with Beast Morphers and kind of having them access to this Ranger Vault and even, you know, weapons from the future and kind of tying into what happened at Shatter Grid and, you know, some things fell through the cracks and, you know, we know 
Shattered Grid is kind of canon in a way because they're using the same transportal devices like in the crossover episodes that were in Ninja Steel. So I love those little tie-ins, but just seeing all the different weapons pop up on their monitor and, and seeing these clips, yeah. uh, it was it was really surprising and it was a welcome surprise. I think it's easy to kind of explain away any of those discrepancies by just remembering it's a multiverse. Things happen in a multiverse. Yeah. So I, stuff like that, I'm not too uh, worried about, you know, with, with inconsistencies like that. But yeah, no, seeing, seeing the classic footage, the, the weapons and then the realization of like every ranger team has had like some kind of motorcycle or a vehicle we should do that yeah do it big dumb bike <laughs> big, big dumb, dumb bike big dumb, dumb bike. bike yeah and i really like the growth of ion in this episode because mm-hmm. even though he really messed up in the beginning he essentially offered his present which is this brand new motorcycle and i have no idea how the five of them afforded that because that bike (laughs) looks sweet. Yeah. Um, But I like that, you know, they tie in these bikes and like the plasma cannon type of system uh, that Zato mentions that a lot of these bikes have. And, you know, they even bring up the point of why have a bike when we can teleport anywhere. And it's like, no, this is like a mobile weapons platform. Like this is something we can use to help destroy the enemy. So there's even that justification that even when a Ranger team has, you know, teleporting, you can still have a a vehicle based weapon like this. Yeah, exactly. So very cool. They're able to destroy Wreckmate with the plasma blast and the chroma fury saber. I really love the bike sequence. We got a tease of that last year uh, during that October event from Simon Bennett, which was fantastic. And to see this in full context and how they built the bike. And I love the graphics for the bike. It was kind of weird though, because I, you know, initially when we saw that clip, I was like, oh man, he's like, he's like shooting out of Rafcon or something. And it's like teleporting there. And no, it's just some big volcano teleportation <laughs> tube or something. So uh, who knows what that is, but this felt very Disney's era to me. Yeah, definitely. I had a lot of nostalgia for the Disney era with this episode. I can absolutely uh, agree with that. Um, like the whole bike sequence with kind of the mix of CGI and mm-hmm. live action and the way like it incorporated wire work and like the physical model and uh, the CGI elements totally felt like Disney. Um, obviously the effects team, we mentioned the Simon Bennett interview, Carol Petrie, she's still VFX supervisor and she's been with power Rangers for so long, ever since they moved to New Zealand. So I like that, you know, even though we get great continuity in the storyline, we also get this great visual continuity with the effects. And like I said, that bike sequence totally took me back to like 2006, 2007. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So they finally have uh, the Florgan cakes and there's a Florgan cake made for everyone. And it's a fun tradition because you don't use your hands to eat it. So everyone just kind of does like an apple dunk, you know, mm-hmm. shove their face right into the cake and start eating it. This was something I noted and I'm sure you noticed too. Oh yes. Because oh, yes. Zato and Ion are like, oh my God, this is delicious. 
everyone else has kind of like a, this is kind of, I don't like the taste of this, or this is kind of like, this, this needs to be getting used to, but off the bat, Amelia loves the flargon mm-hmm. cake. Yeah. Like, come on. That's, there's something going on there. There's gotta be. So she's either part Rafconian, you know, they set it up last season where pop pop told her about the, her missing parents. And do we get a little void baby like going on? Like what's, what's happening here? So I'm very curious to see how it all ties together. I think it's a little bit telegraphed. I think it, we're all kind of like she's void knight and, and void Queens daughter. It has to be. I just thought of something what hilarious and stupid. And I hope this happens, but I also kind of hope it doesn't happen because I don't want to be right, but I kind of want to be right. What if, okay. So void here here first people Void queen uses the Madame Noir skin from Tokyo. What if somehow Amelia gets captured and forced to transform and they use the Greta skin. That would be horrifying. It would be so horrifying. It would be so bad. It's the worst idea I've ever had. And I hope it's not true. Uh, but but if they did it, oh my god! But if they did it, I would I would die laughing. I would just that would be it. Uh, you, the next podcast would be an in memoriam of Zach Lavoy who laughed himself to death over over a <laughs> stupid idea he thought of that ended up being true. Definitely planting the seeds for for future storyline stuff. There's some notes tidbits. here. Yeah, yeah, there's some, there's some notes. So there's an error. Initially, Ion teleports to a small warehouse to fight Wreckmate, um, but due to the usage of the Ryu Soldier footage. The interior of the warehouse is drastically larger than it was before the battle. I totally noticed this. And usually they do a really good job of matching locations and footage here. It was just like way too noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's like fighting, it's like, you can see the background walls change a bit and like the interior volume go from like small, to large, small, to large, even though I think the whole fight, the fight sequence itself was incredible between Ion and, and Wreckmate. Really great footage there, blending Rue Soldier versus the New Zealand footage. Mm-hmm. But when I binge watched, you know, all of these episodes, that warehouse pops, like that same <laughs> filming location pops up again. And I think it's the location where Zato and Torek have their, he gives up the, yeah, the morpher. I definitely noticed that, you know, they didn't do enough variation for that location. You can tell that they filmed there again. It would have been nice if maybe they used a different corner of the factory (laughs) or something just to give a different view. But that was the only thing. And it's only noticeable when you're watching these back to back. You're like, well, that location looks really similar. Yeah. But that's me being like a nitpicky Power Rangers fan. Yeah. And I mean, they do the best with what they have available to them, but sometimes you're just going to have overlap like that. I yeah. Mean, I think we've seen that one park about a dozen times. Oh, sure. Dino sure. Charge. So sometimes it just happens like that. The total number of Sporex beasts that it's, have been it's the same. It's the same. It's just the same. There's no change there. No change at all. And then the archive footage that we got from this episode, we mentioned a little bit earlier was from Samurai, Ninja Storm, Mighty Morphin, Wild Force and Ninja Steel. And uh, that's used when they are looking through the archive footage to find Ranger weapons and vehicles, in particular, the Fire Smasher, 
the Sonic Fin, the Shark Cycles, the Savage Cycles, and the Megamorph Cycle. And in that footage, Haley is the only ranger to appear unmorphed. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff. Yeah, I loved the archive footage. I'm glad they were able to use the clips from previous seasons in a really creative solution uh, for the team to come up with a new weapon of their own. That's one thing I noticed. Like it was such a creative way to do archival footage like that. I mean, it's something we got with Beast Morphers with the, the which villains should we resurrect? Yeah, and it's something we get here with these which weapons are, are useful. I love that. That's a good way for them to have that footage incorporated in a unique and creative way. And Absolutely. Not just a, hey, it's Halloween. Here's a time we all got beat up by the monsters. Or that Halloween court, which I never <laughs> yeah. want to see again. Yeah. So we have episode three. This is the final episode we're going to talk about uh, missing pieces. Uh, The third episode of Power Rangers Dino Fairy season two and 25th episode overall. It is the first part to a two-part story concluding Void Knight's primary objective of reviving his love Santora by collecting the final Sporex beast that he needs. This marks the first appearance of the light Battle Armor, story by Becca Barnes, Owendale, Maya Thompson, teleplay by Guy Lenford, and just like the first episode, this is directed by Charlie Haskell. Uh, Solon Systems get an update when the Rangers spot a Sporex beast, but not before evil Oculo tries to nab it first. Then Slither places a magic spell on the Rangers, removing their recent memories and replacing them with false ones this is the infamous pickle episode yeah the pickle episode (laughs) this was another i think solid entry into this these first three i think as an introduction these first three or first four episodes like because you know this is kind of like a Mm -hmm. two-parter kind of like a mini two-parter um but oculo is another great villain just he's able to view any sporex beast he can view anything he's got eyes all the way around him it's mm-hmm. it's almost to me almost like an updated version of of i guy i was just gonna say it's like i guy 2.0 yeah yeah really awesomely done solon gets this update and we get the continuation as well for this uh zato and ion quest to find rafcon And they have this whole map of the universe, which was, I think, a beautiful depiction of the universe because it was showing all these like different branching paths and galaxies. And it it was something that, you know, we haven't seen. And, you know, for them to be able to scan the whole universe just goes to show what Rafconian technology can do. And they go back to this point of like Rafcon 65 million years, like this star chart is going to be out of date and there's this confusion where solon with with her updates they think that maybe solon isn't all there but one thing like when they do have their memories messed with slither says that he found the magical amulet in the basement of area 62 they haven't really dove into all of the mystery surrounding area 62 later on in the season, we get kind of more hints and more clues, but I'm very curious about this base. Oh yeah. Like who ran it, who was involved. And, you know, we'll talk about it later when we review later episodes, but 
the fact that this magical amulet has just appeared out of nowhere. And, you know, part of me is like, you know, is this the government's answer to the power ranger vault that we saw in, in beast morphers or are they kind of doing their own X files thing? We get it. They couldn't use area 52. So this is like a callback to that with area 62 for the past season. And then this season, mm-hmm. So it's, it's just very interesting. And Amelia complains about a sore shoulder. He thinks like a neighbor put a curse on her or whatever, but that's one of the things that I really liked about this episode was the Rangers figuring out the mystery and seeing if they actually lost their memories. So I thought kind of like these little hints where we didn't fully see the battle, but she's complaining about a sore shoulder. And then when they look deeper into it, you know, she finds a, a buzz blast video from earlier that day or whatever of the fight that they don't even remember. So it's kind of like this, like amnesia, but in, in a funny way that yeah. power Rangers hasn't, there have been like some memory loss episodes in power Rangers before, but I like that this was just the whole team and they're trying to figure out the mystery of it yeah missing pieces or as i like to call it gaslighting the episode um wow. was, <laughs> it's true it's so true i mean come it's on they, they literally blanked their memories and then said you no you didn't have a fight you had a you had a great giant pickle it was amazing and delicious it's gaslighting the episode let's be honest yeah but yeah i i love stories that do that kind of you start the episode already entrenched in a mystery of like Oh, Amelia says her shoulder's hurting. That's odd. And then they're they're blanking on certain things. And it's like, oh, no wonder they've already been fighting Oculo and Slyther. Like, this has already happened by the time we join in as viewers. Yeah. And stuff like episodes like that. I mean, Star Trek does that a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. Next Generation had a ton of episodes where we were suddenly in the middle of a mystery and had to find out what was going on. I think my favorite one being cause and effect. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, where you have these these mysteries of like, why is this happening to them? What's going on? And to have this whole memory loss thing. And then not only do you have the bad guys gaslighting the Rangers, but then you have the Rangers gaslighting poor Solon. Like, maybe maybe oh you're the God. one that's crazy. Maybe you need to get an update. It's like, no, Solon's fine. I, I felt so bad for Solon. Don't, in don't this be episode. mean to Solon. Solon yeah. is so sweet. She's she's nice lady. She's nice grandma dinosaur, you know? The pickle thing was ridiculous. They're, they're, <laughs> they're all talking about pickles. And when they pick up a pickle, the pickle on the ground, when they're in their false memories, I'm like, that's not a pickle. That is a full-on, full-size cucumber. Like, what are yeah. you doing, Power Ranger? <laughs> that's barely a pickle, yeah. So I like that also, like when they're trying to figure out this mystery, even Zato uses his telepathic powers to show Solon the false memories. And, you know, they're all really convinced, but she's not. And that's when they find the footage of the battle, which confirms, you know, that it's a false memory. Amelia got tossed into a wall and it really hurt her shoulder. Solon's coordinates, that means her calculations were originally correct. And Zato decides to go to the coordinates himself. He uses the T-Rex Cosmic Megazord. He activates the portal and travels to the coordinates of the three suns, but there's no planet out there. And when he scans the communi- for communications, 
he finds a signal from a message beacon and it has a similar sound. And that calls back all the way to the early part of season one where they found that strange robotic transmission and is the same sound. So Mm -hmm. there's this ongoing mystery about what happened to Rafcon. And I think that is the most intriguing to me. It's like, I want to know more about Zato and Ion's home planet. Like I want to know what happened. And I think Russell Curry does such a great job conveying that sense of urgency in this episode. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Russell Curry in, in this series has been just wonderful as Zato. He's got that great mix of a, a seasoned warrior, but also that fish out of water of like, it's been 65 million years. I don't know what's become of my home. What am mm-hmm. I going to do? And that whole naivete of, of a little bit of modern day earth where he's like the bits of dialogue that he gets wrong or whatever. And he's been playing that pitch perfect, I think. And there's a moment later on in this batch of episodes that we'll talk about when we get there where his acting I, just incredibly yeah. blew me away. Yeah. So yeah, I've really been enjoying his performance this series. Mm -hmm. We get this amazing fight when Zato returns to Earth. He's able to use the light armor to destroy the amulet and return the ranger's memories. And we get this great fight between the henchmen, Oculo, and then we get Void Knight coming onto the scene, fully charged with his armor. And he is able to overwhelm all of the Rangers in an amazing fight. And he escapes with the rest of the minions to area 62 with all of the Sporex that they got with Oculo's powers. It's still not enough to charge the machine. That's where it kind of leads into this, the next episode. Zato tells the Rangers everything that happened that the coordinates were right. He found the beacon. They find the noise. Amelia and Ollie recognize that same signal from earlier in the episode that was played last season. Ollie uses his computing powers and confirms that this both sound waves match. So yeah. once again, deepening that mystery of Rafcon. I think between this episode and the festival and just the strong entrance, these three episodes really kick off the season in a fantastic way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for the payoff. The payoff is going to be so amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, like Simon said in our interview, these next 11 episodes that are coming for the second half of the season, like the huge amount of payoff that is there. And I think it's just those 11 episodes are going to be nonstop. Like I will definitely be binging those in one sitting. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. After the events of this episode, Void Knight gains four more Sporex. So he has 15 and the Dino Fury Rangers are still stuck at 12. The Sentai footage used in this episode with the Void Knight fight, and is probably why it's so good, is because this was the footage that they used from his first appearance in Rue Soldier. So uh, the, the guy Solg. Uh, first appearance of Guy Solg in Rue Soldier episode 26, which is entitled Seventh Night. So most of that fight sequence comes from that episode. And I like how they repurpose the footage because, you know, a lot of what we got with Void Knight during the first season was all original. 
And this is a great example of Power Rangers using the Sentai footage to its advantage, even though the footage is from his first appearance in Rue Soldier, like that first fight he has with the Rangers. They're able to use that as like a moment when Void Knight is just like, no, I'm done with the minions. I'm taking the Rangers head on. And he's like fully charged and battle and ready to go because Mm -hmm. he wants the Sporex Beast to revive his wife. And he's just tired of it. He's so close that he just attacks the Rangers outright. And I think it's a wonderful way to use that intense fight uh, of the introduction and, and use it as a motivational moment for Void Knight. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that is it for these three episodes. We did have a Ranger Nation answers where we asked, uh, let us know your thoughts, favorite moments, observations on the first three episodes of Power Rangers Dino Fury Season 2 or ask us a question. First off, we got our friend Hawkillies who said, did these first three episodes sour you on any character? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I I think all the character arcs at this point are pretty consistent. Yeah, there's an episode where Ollie just like pissed me off so much. Oh, um, I'm trying to remember now because I know I think I remember which episode you're talking about. But it's it's not in these first three. So no, yeah, I don't think these first three episodes soured me on anyone. I mean, I did not like the Jane and Jayborg around the world in 80 days, hot air balloon, <laughs> especially like when the camera just disintegrates because they were in a volcano and they're like, Oh no, we lost all of our footage. You have Jay Borg, who is a walking database, yeah. which later on in the season, she's like, Oh, let's access my visual circuits or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. you just contradicted yourself and unless Jay Borg got some, some memory upgrade or something. Yeah. Something like that. I love the actresses for Jane and Jay Borg. I think they do physical comedy. Great. There have been some really great moments with them and upcoming in the season, but just that kind of felt off to me. Hmm. I know they had to have an excuse to have Jane and Jay Borg off away and put Amelia in charge, but (laughs) it was, it was kind of goofy. Vanu brother at Mr. Cooper 92 said, Hey guys, I have two questions for you. What was your favorite part of these three episodes? And who was your favorite character throughout this block of episodes? My favorite character throughout these block of episodes uh, has to be Zato, especially these last two. There's such a strong sense of him trying to figure out what's going on with Rafcon and also find new ways to battle and upgrade their arsenal which even after 65 million years, he still has things to learn. And even with Solon and not being able to trust her after the upgrade and, you know, they figure out, oh no, it was our memories that were being tampered with. So I think in this block, Zato and Amelia is a close second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my sentiment to a T. I mean, Zato, this block of episodes really leaned into the mystery of Rafcon, uh, and I love seeing that. And yeah, Amelia, again, close second. She had a lot of great character moments, Mm -hmm. uh, but but Zato, I think, tops it out. As for a favorite part of these episodes, definitely learning more about uh, Rafconian tradition in the festival. Yeah. Um, I think that was a really cool... I love world building stuff like that. Well, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. So definitely the legendary Ranger database was uh, great, but I also love the sci-fi elements and Zato using the, the cosmic uh, Zord 
combination, which is a beautiful combination with the T-Rex. I swear to God, I hope we get those Raptors. Uh, I hope we get all the Zords in the Zord link system, but yeah, I, I would love those Raptors uh, to be in the Zord link system with Hasbro because uh, I really like that combination with the T-Rex sword and the fact that, you know, it's cosmic and he's able to go to space with it and open up a portal. And uh, we even get this gorgeous, like front view of the cockpit, like from the Rangers perspective, like their view yeah. screen essentially. Yeah. And uh, just kind of those, like them going out into space and tying everything together with the alien planets. And it really makes me nostalgic for even mighty Morphin when you know, even though they were an earth-based team, they had all of these alien elements and they were able to go into space a few times. And of course, Power Rangers in space and SPD and the Power Rangers universe, there's this galactic, all these aliens and evil monsters and this whole galactic community of, of aliens, even from the beginning of, of the franchise. So it, it's great to see that there's this whole Rafconian civilization that Hopefully they give us some answers in the rest of the series, but you know, the mystery of why this planet has disappeared, like, is there a, a higher bad guy that has um, like sealed away their planet? Is their planet cloaked? Has it been destroyed? We, we don't know. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, in a whole universe, there are plenty of trinary star systems, <laughs> but you know, obviously they have to simplify it for kids, but I really like those sci-fi elements that they're tying into a dino base season. Edward Sanchez at Edward is the man said, I really like the debut of the dino fury cycle and the way that they use clips from previous seasons of power Rangers in the episode was great. John at the H list. John said, great start. The rooftop fight was awesome. Stunts and VFX this season are all on point. Sentai five said pretty strong start. To be honest, love the use of Ranger history for Dino Fury cycle. The overall plots feel tighter, which is great. Also love the homage to Shotaro Ishinomori. Tyler MC at Stormbreaker said everything Tarek and Santara. We finally have villains with well-defined goals, strategies that actually evolve throughout the series and conflict within their own ranks. Spoilers. I really hope years from now, Tarek is remembered as a ranger and not just a villain. Oh, we'll, we'll definitely see how that storyline plays out. Yeah, we will be deep diving into that. And finally, Excel Hedge says, to the theme of Big Bad Beoborgs, big dumb motorcycles, Big dumb motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. It's not quite the right timing on the lyrics. But, I mean, it's, it's close. I tried to make I, it work. I, I would have gone with big dumb motor bike. That's a little <laughs> yeah. closer. But but props, props, props indeed. That's well a, well played. A plus for, for effort. Yes. For sure. Yeah. So strong, strong entry into Power Rangers Dino Fury season two you can catch all of these episodes exclusively on netflix uh zach where can people find you online uh online you can find me on twitter at zach lavoy and uh every monday night on twitch.tv slash seorian chronicles i usually post a link on my twitter on mondays uh we're doing a live playthrough of a DD campaign and recently, we've had a guest join us who is now officially joined the cast full time, none other than Mr. 
David Fielding, a.k.a. Zordon, oh my uh, God. joined our D&D campaign and is such a fun character. Uh, I, I love the interactions that we've gotten to have as our D&D characters. It's, it's a ton of fun. We're, we're going to have to have him back on the show at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can find me. I'm mainly on Twitter and Instagram at TrekkieB47. Obviously, Twitter more active on there. You can also catch me. Uh, streaming occasionally for lunchtime gaming and also some week time gaming uh, over at twitch.tv slash trekkieb47. And Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour. All one word. Zach. It has been awesome talking with you about Dino Fury. I love this season so far. It's been great. I I love this season so much. Yeah, it's awesome. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Definitely give us a rating on your preferred app of choice to listen to us Uh, rating the show, uh, especially on uh, Apple podcasts. If you listen there really uh, helps us out and yeah, just write a review. You can also uh, find a link on our site to a listener survey where you can give us your thoughts on certain parts of our show and our site and podcast. So we really appreciate if people give uh, the time to either use the contact us form or listener survey or rate us on any of the podcast rating services. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners, especially people that we didn't even know or don't interact with us on on Twitter because they uh, have better lives and <laughs> and are able to uh, free from uh, social media. But uh, if you don't talk with us often, you know we we love to hear the feedback. We love to hear uh, how Ranger Command has. Uh, helped you through your day or your commute or or whatever. So uh, definitely use one of those links. Let us know what you think of the show Uh, really helps keep us going. And also if you do want to help us again, uh, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash ranger command ph. All the links are at link tr.ee slash ranger command ph. So thank you for listening and stay tuned uh, next month because I think we'll have some fun episodes for the month of April. So until next month, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks See you everyone. Next time. Bye. Bye everybody. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.